0: Well, this morning, so let me ask you this. How many of you have already done your Christmas shopping? Anybody? How many? Wow. How many still got a lot to do? Okay. So so are you going to go to a box store or are you going to do it online? Online. online. So, how, Oh, wow. So we got a lot of digital people here this morning, right? Well, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, you know, as we prepare for Christmas, this... You know, we, we sing that song, "'Tis the season." And it is a season. It is a season that brings joy. It is a, bre- a season, uh, if we're not careful, it can bring out the worst in people. And uh, so I don't want us to forget the reason and the meaning of Christmas. And so this morning, again, this is the very first illustrated Christmas that we've ever done. I, one of the things I would like to do is time travel. Anybody would like to time travel? You know, uh, well, this morning we're going to kind of do that with our imagination, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and, uh, excuse me, the Galatians in Galatians chapter 4. Here's what he writes. But when the fullness of time, pay attention to that, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, once again, we are so grateful for this Christmas season. Lord, we're thankful that we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that all of the things that happened uh, on that first Christmas were not just happenstance. They were things that you had ordained before the foundation of the world. I pray, Father, through this simple dramatic presentation, this simple illustrated sermon this morning, that you would open our eyes to understand the importance of this day. It's not just about places to go and people to see and things to do. It's about you becoming one of us to do for us what we could not do ourselves. So I ask you to be with us now uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Again, as we prepare to celebrate another Christmas, I want us to do something this morning. I've always uh, had this, uh, this idea that if I could go back in time, have you ever thought about if I went back in time, I would do things differently. Anybody ever thought like that? Uh, you know, I was with my family in Alabama this past week and I got to see some of the family I hadn't been able to see in a long time. And uh, one of my nephews was asking me about my age. And um, I, uh, I told him, I said, boy, I said, I like 25 so much that I'm on my third time around. That's how much I really enjoyed third, my 25-year, my you know, that 25-year-old self. But again, if, really, the truth is, if we could go back in time, I think most of us would want to go back in time with the knowledge we have now. I don't want to go back and repeat some of the same blunders and mistakes that I've made. But this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to jump on a time machine, but I want us to use our imagination, and I want us to take a trip back in time to that very first Christmas. You know, the birth of Jesus wasn't just something that happened. You know, if we're not careful with all of the festivities that go on and the pageants and the lights and the shopping and all of that, if we're not careful, that's all it is. It's just another story of something that happened. But the birth of Jesus, again, was not something that just happened. It was planned before the foundation of the world. Not only was it planned, but the Bible says it involved many people spanning many years. In fact, the very first messianic promise given is found all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It was a promise of a Redeemer that would come one day to bring freedom to those who were held captive in their sin. Matthew opens up his story of the Christmas story by giving us genealogy that traces the lineage of Christ all the way back to the very beginning. Paul, in our text this morning, lets us know that when things were in place, and that's important, when things were in place, as God had ordained, okay, then Jesus was born. Not before, when things were in order, as God had ordained, then Jesus was born. There was nothing accidental about it. Everything lines up in proper order. This includes people and places. You know, as we go back in time with our imagination, there are many characters and, and people that we meet in the Christmas story. Elizabeth and Zachariah are two characters that we meet very early on in the Christmas story. She is an elderly woman married to a, from a priestly line, married to a priest. They had tried for years and years and years to have a child, but they could not. That is, until the fullness of time.
1: Well, you're no spring chicken. That was the very first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe it? Maybe she just didn't believe me. I don't hold it against her, though. She has been a tad cranky ever since she found a scorpion in her girdle drawer. Maybe she just couldn't understand how much of a miracle this was for me. Zechariah and I, we had tried our whole lives to have a child on our own. And by the time all my hair turned gray and Zechariah's turned loose, we'd given up hope. But nothing is impossible with God. And he seems to delight in bringing life to impossibly barren. And as if that wasn't enough news, the angel that brought us this information had even more to say, that this child, our son, would be used by God to prepare our people for the coming of the Messiah. It was too much of a gift to be real. And then I thought, how would we even begin to train a child for a job like that? But God, he had those details covered too it just kept getting better when I was about six months along my cousin Mary came over for a visit and no sooner had she said hello than my unborn son jumped and flipped inside me right then God opened my eyes to clearly see that this young girl standing in our home was also with child and he would be called wonderful counselor almighty God Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. And I looked over at Zechariah holding our very own miracle baby. And I had one of those God moments. One of those moments where you realize that God had different plans. That he had brought us life to barren places. That he hadn't forgotten about us. And he would never leave us alone again
0: you know god moments i don't know if you picked that up in her as as she was talking to us this morning god moments have you ever experienced a god moment in your life you know here's the thing about a god moment it will alter the course of your life and it will change your destiny you've heard my story many times that uh, ran away from home when i was a junior in high school kind of got mixed up in all the stuff that i was raised not to do and it was one of those God moments in a barracks in San Antonio, Texas at Lackland Air Force Base where God reached down and he rescued me. That was a God moment. Have you had those moments? Because it will change your destiny. It will change your life. It will change the trajectory of your life. From Elizabeth, I mean, think about it. Even a barren place could not stop the God moments when God's timing was right. The reality is, the reality is not everyone is aware of the God moments in life. Um, again, think about as we uh, we think about the Christmas characters, think about the, the the innkeeper in the Christmas story. I mean, he's a he really is a simple businessman uh, who owns a small inn. When the census decree went out that they would all go back to their homes and register for the census, he was overwhelmed with reservations and his little place of business quickly filled up. On that busy night, he has a young couple stop by, seeking a room. He quickly told them, you know what, I, I don't have any room. Have you ever looked back over your life and wished you would have made a different decision? If you had known, like think about this for instance, if you had known back years ago that Bitcoin would have become so valuable, you probably would have invested a few hundred bucks to be set for life today. You know, I think this innkeeper had one of those moments where he wished that he had done something a little bit different.
2: Had I known then what I know now, I would have had room for them in my inn. Oh, Fay. I would have given up my own bed for them. But I didn't know. How could I? The place was packed. I've never seen so many people in Bethlehem. The government made everyone in the world go back to their hometown to register. Government's got to get their money, right? And since no one wants to stay with their in-laws, I'm booked solid. (laughs) I remember the day well. The space we had was taken up before dinner. It was probably two hours after dinner when they arrived. Talk about desperate. He was scared and exhausted, and she she was about to bust. As they're walking up to me, I'm planning in my head what I'm going to say. I'm thinking I'll say, I'm sorry, we have no room left. But when they get to me, they just stand there. He's looking down as if to gather his thoughts, and she winces ever so slightly in pain. Then he looks up and says, please. That's it. Please. Let me tell you a story. I'm five years old. And I'm helping my mom set the table. I tell her that she has too many plates out. And she looks at me and says, you always make room. You never know who will show up. And I gave her a look like, what? And she says emphatically, you never know who God will bring your way. You always make room. So I look at this man and his very pregnant wife. And I tell them, I don't know where we'll put you. But we will make room. So we made room. It wasn't the best room, but it was all I had to give them. So mom, mom was right. You always make room, especially when it comes to God.
0: If he could go back, would probably do things a little bit differently. Oh yeah, he made, he made accommodations. But if he knew then what we know now, he would have done things a little bit different. See, he went down in history as the first one to say, I have no room for you. But I promise you, he's not the last. I mean, think about it. How often do we fill our lives with things and crowd out Jesus today? How often do we build our schedules, our daily lives around other things? We center them around other things and we never leave room for Jesus. You know, the Bible says that we all have an adversary. And I will assure you that this adversary will do everything he can to keep us so busy that we don't have room in our busy lives for Jesus. You know, we have the advantage that the innkeeper did not have. We know that this little child grew up to be the savior of the world. We know that Jesus makes all the difference in a person's life. My challenge to you this morning is to make room for him. Not just at Christmas time. Again, this baby that we celebrate in the manger, he didn't stay in the manger. He grew up, and he went to Calvary, and he paid the price. So make room for him, and watch how different your life becomes. Again, the Christmas story has many intriguing characters for sure. I've often sat there with my imagination and thought about the characters and how it must have been to have been one of those. One of those that I thought a lot about was Joseph. I mean, when you and I read about Joseph, he's generally the man following Mary, right? I mean, Mary always takes center stage in the Christmas story and Joseph brings up the rear. Mary gets the Magnificent and the Adoration while Joseph is hardly mentioned. And yet, here's the thing. God chose this man to be the earthly father of his son.
3: It was the longest, most difficult, scariest, exciting, confusing Most wonderful day of my life. And when you realize that God has allowed you to become a father, there's nothing I can compare that to. And when it seems that he has deemed you fit to be the stepfather to his son, that's a bit overwhelming. He was a perfectly healthy, happy baby boy. He was born like any other baby. Now I know why they call it labor. I worked every day since I was 12, and never in my life have I worked as hard as Mary did that night. And Mary, she was amazing through all of it, not just the birth, all the people talking about us behind our back, and the week-long journey to Bethlehem. And after all of that, I watched in amazement as she took a feeding trough and turned it into a cradle. And it never fazed her. She's amazing. And through it all, she never asked why. She did everything that she was asked to do, even knowing that she didn't understand. But the one thing she did understand was that God was in control. She was open to his will. Now I understand why God chose her. I really do. The one thing I'm confused about is why God chose me.
0: You know when you think about Joseph, I'm sure we all have had that same dilemma. You know, he had to be a strong man, he had to be a godly man for God to choose him. And I think one of the most difficult things that you and I contend with today is wondering, why would God choose someone like us to be his hands extended to hurt to touch a hurting world? Have you ever struggled with that? Have you ever wondered, God, why why me? I mean, why why would you choose me? Why would you want me to teach a Sunday school class? Or why would you want me to lead a ministry or to serve in leadership? Or why, for myself, why would you want me to pastor a church? I mean, if you only knew, you know, you have those moments where you talk to God. If you only knew what I did, like he doesn't already know, right? But have you ever done that? Have you ever struggled with the reality that God is still calling people today? And I think a great hesitation from Uh, for many people to step out in obedience and do what God's called them to do is this thing right here. Why would he choose me? I mean, there's somebody else more qualified. There's somebody else that has a better degree. There's somebody else that has more experience or looks better or or whatever the case is. And yet I, I, I come back to this. Don't you think that God knows about our shortcomings? Don't you think that God knows about our failures and our lack? Sure he does. And you know what? He still chooses us. He still chooses us. See, Joseph was chosen by God for this assignment. My question to you this morning is, what is he choosing you for? Right now, what is he choosing you for? And my follow-up question is, are you willing to say yes? Again, as tough as it was to have been Joseph, and as tough as it was for him to say yes, imagine how difficult it must have been to have been Mary.
4: How it always has been. And we knew that he would come, but let's be honest. I'm not from some place special like Jerusalem. I'm just a girl, a nobody from Nazareth. And we all know not much good comes out of Nazareth, never has. So I thought for sure the angel had made a mistake when he made his announcement to me. but if that's what the Lord wanted, who was I to tell him that he was wrong? And Joseph, God bless that sweet man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have sent me away. He could have even had me killed. But he never broke his promise to marry me. So when it came time to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was proud to ride beside him, even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months pregnant. You know those ladies that try everything they can to induce labor? Eating spicy food, going for long walks? I'll tell you, what they need to be doing is getting on a bumpy 70-mile trek to Bethlehem. Because not long after we arrived, I mean, I'd never done it before, but I just knew that it was time. With every wave of pain that hit, though, I had to ignore the fact that I'd be doing this without my family, without the familiarity of my home. But the minute Jesus was born, I forgot all about that. I took him and I wrapped him in cloths, and I made the most comfortable bed I could find with what we had, an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping, but I just couldn't stop staring at him. There he was, the one the angel told us about. My heart was so full, but there were no words for me to describe it. I wasn't the first young mother to bring a baby into the world. That's how it's always been. But as I stared down at my son, our returned. I knew he'd be the one to change everything because he had already changed me.
0: Just as God chose Joseph, he chose Mary. And he chose her for a special assignment. That was to be the mother of Jesus. You know, I love what she said. I thought the angel had the wrong house because I'm nobody special. Again, have you ever said that? God, why me? I mean, I'm I'm nobody special. I don't have the talent or the skill. Why me? And yet he chose her. And here's the thing, even with all the challenges that this young teenage girl would experience, she listened to the words of the angel, what he had spoken, and then she said this, I am the Lord's servant. Wow. You want to talk about bold faith, having no idea what it was, how it was going to transpire, having no idea really what to expect, being willing to put up with the ridicule and the mockery from the people around. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. God chose her for that. You see, the birth of Jesus changed everything. And the reason it changed everything, it happened because this young girl was willing to say yes to God's call upon her life. To this very difficult assignment, she was willing to say yes the redeemer of all mankind came because mary was willing to submit to his will you see her ancestors had long awaited for the messiah like i said in genesis 3:15 was the very first promise of a future redeemer and from that time on they kept waiting for this promised redeemer he would now come because of mary you see here's the thing my friend we we may we never know what god will do through us until we say yes his calling again we could sit here all day long and come up with many many reasons and excuses of why we're disqualified and why God could find somebody else but when God calls us the response is to say yes again there, there are so many characters that make up the Christmas story and they make it very exciting again I go back to our text when Paul said to the Galatians that when the fullness of time came again when everything was exactly the way God had ordained it to be then he came. When that time came for the birth of Jesus, you know some of the characters uh, of, of the Christmas story that really intrigued me, I, I've given a lot of thought to this. I've been to Israel twice and I've been to the shepherd's field, and that shepherd's valley that runs between Bethlehem and Jerusalem and it's this long valley that runs through there and that's where they raised all of the sheep for the slaughter, for the temple worship. And I've stood there and I've I've imagined what it must have been like that night to have been there as a shepherd to hear the announcement. See, when it came time for the birth of Jesus, the first people to hear the glorious news, the announcement, the good tidings of great joy, was to a group of misfits and outcasts. A shepherd was the bottom of society.
5: It started out just as any other night. Except for that angel. Ain't seen nothing like it before or since. Us shepherds don't get a lot of excitement. But that angel came right up to us, so bright and so beautiful. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been out in that field way too long. And I had the same exact thought until that angel started talking to me. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Sam. I shouted right back at that angel, too late. (laughs) Then the angel said, bread, milk, no, wait, that's my grocery list. The angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then the angel said, he's laying in a manger, wrapped in cloth. Go find him. Okie dokie. One of the other shepherds said, what are we waiting for? Let's get out of here and get to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there and found that beautiful baby. I was a different man after that night with the angel. Because that night, God chose me. And in my life, no one had ever chosen me. I'll never forget what that angel said. Good news to all people. And that meant me too.
0: I want you to think about it. if you can put yourself in that spot. When the angel first appeared to these shepherds, they were terrified, and 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 who would not, right? I mean, I believe we could come up with many reasons of why they would be frightened. But I believe one of the reasons that brought great fear to them is the fact that no one had ever chosen them before. I mean, why would an angel from God announce the greatest news from heaven to a bunch of misfits and outcasts? I mean, in culture of that time, no one would even consider them for anything. It's kind of like David. When David was anointed to be king, his whole family didn't even think about him when Samuel came to anoint the next king. The shepherds were similar. They were out there. Nobody gave them a thought. But once again, here's the thing. We see that God chooses whom God chooses. And he chose the shepherds. And from that day on, nothing would ever be the same again. They had good tidings of great joy. And like you said, it was to all people. Not just, to, not just the elites of society. Not just the upper crust. It was to all people. They had the good tidings. They had the good news. When the angel told them they immediately responded and they went to see this miraculous event i submit to you this morning that we could learn a lot from these shepherds how often do we say something like this well you know i'll get to that when i get all my other stuff done i'll be involved in church when i take care of this or i'll do that i'll do that project you ever done that before when i get around to it well here's the thing the truth is we never get our stuff done we, are, we never get to that place where we have no more demands on our lives. There will always be stuff to do. There will always be people, places to go, people to see, things to do. See, the time to respond is when He comes to us. Again, to me, the Christmas time is one of those times where God shouts out to us, Hey, I made a way for you. You see, the Christmas story is unique in that for 400 years, they, there had been silence in heaven. For 400 years, there had not been a prophet from God, and there had been silence. There, there was no one giving the words. For 400 years, there had not been a fresh word from heaven, and it was in this time that Jesus came.
6: God had been silent for over 400 years. We knew because we had been listening, in a sense. My job, my job was to listen. People who talk a lot, you don't call them wise, do you? No. There are a lot of other names that we have for them, but Wise is not one of them. In my position, I look for signs everywhere. We watched the stars, we watched them, and tried to interpret what they were telling us. I read a star that would announce a new king, and then out of nowhere, a star appeared. This star was different. It was a beacon in the night. After watching it for a while, I felt this was the star the Jews had uh, been looking for. The star foretold in their ancient scripture, the star of the Messiah. So I followed it. There were a few of us, and uh, yes, we actually followed a star. It was so bizarre, this star led us. No, it moved us, and we followed. And eventually, it led us to Jerusalem. That's where we met Herod. He claimed he also wanted to worship Messiah. So he asked us. No, he demanded that once we found the newborn, we come back and tell him. But we were warned in a dream not to trust this man. For over two years, we journeyed with the star, guided us all the way to Judea. And then it stopped, shining down over a small cottage. Our journey ended not at a palace fit for a king, but at home of a peasant. Our journey ended not at a palace, but at a small cottage. This was it. We gathered our thoughts, our gifts, and did what we could to contain our emotions. And behind those doors, we found a new king. A king who commands the movement of the stars, of the sky, and yet came to live amongst his people. God was finished being silent. He spoke, and his word became flesh to dwell with his people. We knelt down that night. Yes, we kneeled before the baby boy. And each of us laid gifts at his feet. We had to. 400 years of silence broken by the cries of the new king. Yes, he spoke. Yes, we worshipped. Yes, we listened.
0: Again, when Christ was born, the silence of 400 years was over. God broke the silence and into the darkness of the world, Jesus was born. You see, nothing about the Christmas story is random or mere happenstance. God chose each of these characters to play a unique role and had that unique encounter. And likewise, I tell you this morning that He has chosen us to be here today. You're not here just to see a drama Of sorts, you hear because God wanted you to know that He chooses you.
7: Come and the road ahead gets steep
0: Love came down. That's the Christmas message. Again, John writes, John 3, 16, one of the most famous scriptures, for God so loved the world. Love came down. And he came down because you and I were helpless and hopeless in our sin. Paul says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We owed a debt that we could never pay. But because love came down, He became our sacrifice. He became the atoning sacrifice so that you and I could live. And you know what he does today? He still chooses us. Every one of these characters was chosen by God to fulfill a unique role in the Christmas story. But the plan and the purposes of God are still moving forward. And he's still choosing people today to be, for lack of a better word, actors in his plan in, the 20, in 2022 and he chooses you this morning i'm going to ask you to bow with me all across the building this morning if the house lights would come up about halfway for me just bow with me just for a few moments this morning and i want to ask you the question what is god choosing you to do i can tell you one of the first things that god is choosing you to do is that if you're not walking any covenant in a covenant relationship with the lord that's the first call of God. Again, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Every one, of us, every one of us here today has an appointment that's been established by God in which we will die. I know that's kind of morbid to talk about, but the reality is we're going to die. The only question is where will we go when we die? Jesus has come because love came down to provide for us eternity with him, heaven being our destiny. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. He said, I'm going to prepare a place and if I go, I'll come back. See, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not looking for the next elections. I'm not looking for the next .com. I'm not looking for that. My hope's not in Washington or in Austin or in City Hall. My hope is in Jesus. He's the anchor that holds no matter the storm. This morning, God chose you to be here. And you didn't come just to hear, to see a drama or a little illustration that we did, as simple as it was. He chose you to hear the message I choose you today. I choose you today. If you could only. I'll tell you how much he loves us. He loves us enough that he hung on that cross. And he said, you know what, John, Sally, Susie, Tim, I did this, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. See, our world has got it all mixed up today. And we somehow think that Christmas is about this fat man in a red suit that runs around giving gifts. To me, that's in honor of the greatest gift that's already been given, and that is by God Himself when He gave us Christ as the indescribable gift. So this morning, as we close out the first Christmas, I want to ask you, if you were to die today, would heaven be your destiny? You say, well, Pastor, how in the world could I know? Well, you can know very simply. Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, you must be born again. See, all the other religions in the world, you've got to do all the good deeds and do all those things to try to merit your way into their heaven. And even with all of that, you don't ever know. You never know. You just hope at the end of your life that the good that you do outweighs the bad that you've done. It's not so in Christianity. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It is not how much good you've done. It's what he's done that gives us the entrance to heaven so let me ask you if you were to die today would Jesus, would, would Jesus allow you into his heaven you say well yeah I, I give a lot of money to charity well no that's not really what gets you to heaven well I'm a nice person I've never cheated on my wife or I've never cheated on my husband I've never lied I don't cheat on my taxes I, I'm a good man I'm a good woman well that's okay but that's not the ticket to heaven what gets us to heaven is Jesus. Is he Lord of your life? Not just from a concept, but is he truly Lord of your life? I'm going to ask you all across the building this morning if you'll stand with me. And go ahead and bring the lights all the way up for me, please. If you'll just stand this for, just for a moment. And I'm going to ask you one more time if you'll just bow with me because I want to, listen, I would not be a very good pastor if I didn't give this opportunity today. Because everyone here and, and online this morning, you've heard enough gospel message to get you into heaven, and you've heard enough gospel message to condemn you to hell. The difference is, what do you do with the message? What do you do with the message? Here, just a moment, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question, and that is this. Are you living for Jesus today? Is he Lord and Savior of your life? If he's not, today's the day to make that decision. somebody had to tell me I grew up in church you know my story raised in church by the time I was seven years old I could marry you bury you baptize you or preach under conviction because I'd seen it done so many times became a teenager got mixed up in a lot of things the world says that's not the ticket that's not the pathway to joy that's not the pathway to success so what do I do I take the worldly path I did everything they said I needed to do to be successful and happy and fulfilled. And you know what it did? It left me empty. It left me broken and busted. But in 1985, January of 1985, this runaway, backslidden, called-to-preach young man knelt down at Lackland Air Force Base. And I said, God, if you can still use me, yours that light that day changed my life forever I've walked with him since 1985 I've not deviated from the path and I have more joy now than I could possibly explain oh I don't have all that I want I still want plenty right but I have everything I need and my life is not without struggles know my wife's situation I struggle with her but you know what that's okay because in the midst of my chaos in the midst of the hardships of life I have a peace that surpasses all understanding and you know what it brings me a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory that's what this relationship does the anchor holds and so I'm going to ask you to bow with me this morning here's what I'm going to ask you and just I'm going to count to three and if you're here today again nobody looking around this is your time I'm going to count to three if you're here today say pastor you know what pray for me I need Jesus in my life I need Jesus today in my life I, I, want, I want him to be Lord of my life listen you can't have the benefits of the family without being part of the family you say well I, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was a little boy or a little girl well that's okay are you walking in a covenant relationship with him now are you doing things now Jesus would never want you to do kind of a telltale sign right there maybe you need to rededicate your life to the lord today well this is a good day to do that this is a good day to say you know what jesus you chose me now i choose you i choose you so here i go with nobody looking around this is your time one two i know this is hard i know it's difficult you got the enemy right there saying look you you don't even go to that church I mean, what are you doing you're going to embarrass yourself no that's okay This is about the family of God. So one, two, three, all the way up. Just right up, right back down, all the way up. Yes, 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 I see those. Yes, yes, anybody else? Right up, right back down. This is your day. This is your day. We do this for you. Somebody had enough decency to tell me and to witness to me in my backslidden, rebellious state, and it changed my life forever. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do you raise your hand even if you did not i want everybody to join with me i'm going to say a simple prayer and i want you to repeat this prayer with me say it out loud dear jesus thank you for loving me and giving your life for me i recognize today that i am lost i'm a sinner and i need a savior i ask you to come into my life forgive me of my sin and make me a brand new person change the trajectory of my life give me hope and give me a future I give you everything I have everything I am and everything I ever will be I give it to you this day I choose you you chose me now I choose you come into my life I make that confession with my mouth And I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. So today, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if my time were to come, I know I'm ready to see you. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, listen, amen, I like that. (laughs) Listen, if, if you prayed that this morning... Even if you didn't raise your hand, you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, let me be the first to say, Welcome to the family of God. Listen, it's not complicated to be a believer. Now, living for Him every day is a challenge, right? Amen? But here's the thing He doesn't just save us and say, Okay, now go out and do the best you can. He empowers us to live for Him. That's what He does. How are we able to overcome? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to say thank you. If you rededicated your life, welcome back to the family. Let's get on with the business in hand. Amen? I'm going to do one more thing and we're going to close. This is going to be the toughest thing that you've ever done, probably. Once again, I I can count beyond three, but I'm going to count the three again. (laughs) If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, I want you to join me right here. Even if you did not, and you really meant it in your heart, you meant to raise your hand, but you didn't, but you prayed that prayer, and God spoke to your heart somehow. When I count to three, I want you to join me right here. And you say, why do I need to do that? I don't know people here. Well, that's okay. You're not here to be popular. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if you are embarrassed of me before men... I'll be embarrassed I'll be embarrassed before my father. You see Jesus when he died on the cross, he didn't die in a closet. He didn't die hidden from sight. He was in public view. There's something transformative that happens when we take that step and says, you know what? I choose Jesus. So church, we know how to do this. I'm going to do, I'm just going to count three one more time. This is not about joining a church. This is about being a part of the family of God. I want you to come. We're going to pray with you. We have people that will pray with you. We just we don't want you to know you don't have to walk this by yourself. It's so, okay, here we go. You raised your hand, you prayed that prayer, balcony main floor. I want you to meet me right down here. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, we'll be right here with you. Come on down. Come on, church. You can do good, you can do better. And I I know, come here just, I know I don't say that often. Come up just a bit. Listen, one more thing. I I know that being in a a service, maybe in a place that you're not familiar with, it's a little bit difficult. I want to do one more thing, and then we're going to pray. These have already prayed the prayer, and I'm going to ask some of our drama people and prayer teams if you would come and help me out. We want to pray with them, and I just want you to pray blessings over them. But here's what I want to do. I want you to look at the person to your right or left and say, hey, can I walk down there with you? See, sometimes it's hard. We need a buddy. When I was in the military, we had guys, we talk about, I got you six. In this life, we need people that have our six. We, have, we need people that walk along with us. So go ahead and turn to that person to your right and your left and say, hey, can I walk down there with you? And if they say yes, would you come with them? Come on, one more time. Come on, one more time. Come on, we'll wait on you. If you need to come down, we'll wait on you. This is your day. Amen. Amen. I want everybody that's down here. I want you to look at me real quick, okay? And then we're going to pray for you. And church, this is this is important. Whether this is regardless of whether this is your first time or an act of rededication, there are some things that you need to do that's going to make your journey of faith very successful, if you will, or meaningful. That's a better word. One of those is this: find yourself a good Bible-believing teaching church, get involved in it and start growing through discipleship. It's so important. You did not. God did not save us to live in isolation. We need each other. So listen, if you don't have a church home, I'd love to be your pastor. I'd love for you to come be a part of Bethel family. Number two, learn how to develop a prayer life. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I pray like I'm talking to you. That's how I pray. I don't wax eloquent. I'm, I'm just a southern, south Alabama boy. I just talk to God like I talk to my best friend. That's what I'd say. Just start talking to God. Love on Him. Let Him love on you. Number three, get yourself a Bible. That is God's Word to us. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. We'll get you a Bible. It's important because it is God's revelation of Himself. You want to know what God's like? Read the Bible. Start in the book of John. Read John. It is the gospel uh, of belief. It is. It tells us who Jesus is. Then read Matthew, Mark, and go back to John again. Powerful stuff. And then here's the fourth thing, get baptized. Just so happens we're doing it next Sunday. (laughs) You say, what is baptism all about? Well, baptism basically is saying to everybody, I'm dying to my old self and I'm being raised in new life in Christ. See, Paul said this, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a, a new creation, not improved old person, i was a bad dude back in high school i he didn't try to improve my old bad self he made me new he made me new i still when i go back to visit family i still have stories that are thrown in my face of things i used to do he didn't improve the bad me he made me new and that's what he does to us so if you do those four things i promise you you'll find a joy in your walk with the lord that you can't even fathom So I'm going to ask the church, and I want our prayer team, if you'll just start, just lay a hand upon their shoulder and just pray for them. I want you to pray blessings over them. They've already prayed. Yeah, we might need a couple more. Church, how about extend your hand and start praying this morning? And I just want you to pray a blessing over them this morning. Father, right now, Lord, we pray a blessing over every man, every man, woman, boy, and girl. We pray, Father, for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. We pray, Father, that today, as they make that decision to follow you, Lord, begin to unfurl that plan and that that purpose that you have for them. Lord, it is a masterful plan. And God, I thank you this morning that no matter Lord, no matter where we are and how old we are, how young we might be, Lord, you have an incredible plan for each of us. If we will walk in that covenant relationship, love came down to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So, Father, we as a church, we stand with each and every one of these that are here today. Lord, we stand with them in their decision to follow you and their commitment to follow you. We pray, Father, that every day they would learn a new facet of your love and care for them. And God, again, begin to call them to what you want them to do for such a time as this. Father, we thank you for it this morning. And Father, I pray for every person in the building today. I pray for everyone that is tuned in online this morning. Father God, I pray that you would help us to see the Christ of the Christmas was not just an accident. It wasn't mere happenstance. It was a story that has been ordained by you from the very beginning of time. And you have our story mapped out for us. So let us walk with an awareness that you, have called us for such a time as this now father i speak blessings over every person here i pray father as we close out this service we go to our places and our lunches and all the things that we have go going on may we not forget that jesus christ love came down to give us hope and to give us future and father we declare it right now in the mighty name of jesus and we all said Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. One more time. Amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you. You are dismissed this morning, church. God bless you. I love you very much. If I don't see you again, which I hope I do, Merry Christmas and I love you.